Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. I pray that God will just continue to heal her body. And we're praying that the Lord will give Brother Philip a miracle. I thank you all so much for your offering to us. And I'll tell you, every preacher has preached outstanding. Brother Jimmy John done wonderful in the day services. And these that have, these that have sung, the Richlands Choir and all the other singers have just done tremendous. And I appreciate the blessing of the Lord. We sure want God to have his way tonight. Could we all stand? Let's just ask the Lord to move in the remainder of this service. Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for your great blessings upon us. I'm asking for the power of the Holy Ghost to be here in a very present and wonderful way. That the Spirit of God and move, lead God and direct us and help us to know your perfect will. Pray for your blessings upon this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. In Zechariah chapter 12 is where I'll be reading tonight, Zechariah chapter 12, and I pray that the Lord would help me to preach to you. I'll read chapter 12 and verse 9 and 10 and uh, 11, and then skip down to verse 1 of chapter 13, and pray that the Lord would help me and have mercy tonight. Amen. I have a burden on my heart once again. Pray the Spirit of God would just come by and touch us. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 9, if you'd like to stand for the reading of God's Word, this is a time at the very end when Jesus comes again and the children of Israel are restored back to Him. It says, It shall come to pass... In that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And it shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem as in the morning of Haddon Rimmon in the valley of Megiddo. Now let's go to verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, In that day there shall be a fountain open in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Amen. I want to preach on the restoration of a backslider. You can be seated here tonight in the presence of the Lord. I have pointed out that this is at the very end of time when Jesus comes again and this backslidden nation, this people of Israel, these folks in Jerusalem, Look upon him 
whom they have pierced. And they mourn in repentance because God in his grace has given them this spirit of supplication. In this passage of scripture, we see the final restoration of this backslidden people whom God chose and whom God desperately loves. Idols were set up in the Old Testament and took the place of God, and therefore God gave them over to severe judgment. The house of God was in destruction. The city of Jerusalem was just a ruin, and it was all because that they had a replacement for God. Instead of the holy God, they had all the demonic gods to take his place. But all those idols could not protect them and could not satisfy them. They continued in their wickedness until they were very detestable. One of the saddest scriptures that I've read is in Hosea where it says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. That became their great problem. Later on, after this judgment, it seemed as though idols were not their problem, but hypocrisy. And as that they came into their nation once again, it seemed as though idolatry was non-existent. But yet, here comes Jesus, the Son of the living God. And these same people that had replaced Jehovah God with Ashtaroth, Baal, and Moloch looked at Jesus as a threat to them. For they had set up the idol of self and self-righteousness. And therefore, something had to go. Either Jesus or self. And they chose Jesus. My friend, every backslider replaces God some way. Every backslider looks at Jesus and says either he has to go or I have to go. And they choose that Jesus would leave their life. In this national backsliding, I see how that it can be a backsliding of an individual. Where that something replaces God. Where that self is exalted above the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Ezekiel it is prophesied or it was prophesied right after the destruction of Jerusalem that there would be a regathering of Israel. Ezekiel was taken to that valley of dry bones. And as that he was placed in there, there were many, many bones scattered everywhere. Very, very dry. It seemed impossible for these to ever come back together again. This was a type of the scattering of the children of Israel. They were dry. They were absolutely scattered. They were lifeless. It seemed impossible that they could ever be a nation again. And yet the word of God came to Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And as that he did, they began to come together. There they were, a skeleton. There they were, all of a sudden, flesh, sinews, muscles. Skin. All of a sudden there was a lifeless corpse there. And then the prophet prophesied to the wind 
And the wind of God filled the lungs of that corpse army. And they came to life. Friend, that's the way that God does backsliders. He puts them in the right place. It seems as though he gathers them together some way. As Israel was gathered together as a nation, there comes a time where that they, they have skin and muscle and, and they look very good, but they're not spiritually alive until the Spirit of God comes into that body and brings them up a mighty exceeding army. And it's going to happen one day, and the part here in Zechariah is exactly when it's going to happen and take place. But I'm just going to tell you, this is the manner that God restores the backslider. There seems to be certain coincidences that brings them together. It seems impossible that they would ever go to church. Impossible that they would ever think about God. And then all of a sudden, certain circumstances bring them together, maybe with the people of God. And eventually, there seems to be some hope that folks see. But still, there, takes, there needs to be a moving of the Spirit to bring them all the way back to life. Amen. As that I read this passage of Scripture and saw God restoring Israel, I see, first of all, that there was the spirit of grace given to this backslidden nation. There was a spirit of repentance and supplication given to Israel. And then there was a cleansing given to this nation as well. Friend, I tell you, I believe that every backslider and every sinner needs grace and repentance and cleansing. Amen? That's the way that God does it. Amen. He's going to do it for this nation. It will happen. But I'm telling you, it can happen this very night for some individual or several individuals. You say, Brother Lord, the majority here is saved. Maybe so. Amen. I'm sure it's true. But I'll tell you, if there's just one lost here tonight... If there's just one backslider that needs some hope, I'd like to preach to you and tell you God wants to restore you. God wants to restore you. Can you see that it's God's plan to restore Israel? And can you see that here tonight this is not just a coincidence, but God wants to restore you as well back to himself? You remember the times of blessing? You remember the time of peace? You remember the time of fellowship with God? It's time to be restored. Amen. So here was the spirit of grace given to them. Grace enables us to do what we cannot do. Amen. We cannot save ourselves, but God by his grace saves us. We cannot live holy, and so the same saving grace comes to us and teaches us to deny godliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Amen. We cannot live this Christian life, but grace gives us the power. Even when that it seems as though there's great buffetings of Satan, amen, my grace is sufficient, the Bible says, Amen. Grace enables us. Grace is undeserved. We cannot earn it. We cannot be good enough for it. We cannot do penance to get in, in God's good graces. Amen. You can't quit sinning enough. Amen. To pay for your past sins. It has to be by grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Grace is freely given. But Grace is very costly. 
And I fear that because of the freeness of grace, sometimes people take it greatly for granted. There are some that's been raised in church and heard the love of God so much that in all reality, they say, well, it doesn't matter how long I live in sin, surely sometime before I die, God's going to appear to me again. Listen, you better not take the grace of God for granted because even though it's freely given, amen, it costs God a great price for every one of us here to have this grace. Amen, it was not given in a cheap rate. It cost God his son. It cost the son of God his life. Amen, the blood and the cross. Amen, and the death. All of that was a very costly thing. But Jesus taking the sins of the world and the wrath of God was even more costly than the blood and the cross and the suffering and the agony that he had. Friend, don't take it lightly that God's given you grace here tonight. There are others that cheapen grace and say that we may continue in sin because grace abounds, of which the apostle Paul would say, God forbid that. How in the world can you even think that? Amen. Jude, in his day, saw that there were people that were taking the grace of God for granted and cheapening it. And he said there were certain men crept in unawares that would take the grace of God and turn it to licentiousness. What a horrible thing. Amen. I think Jude called them creeps when he said they crept in. Amen. But friend, I'm going to tell you, amen, these people are perverting the idea of grace Grace gives us power to live right. Uh, Amen, I don't deserve it, but God gives us grace to live holy in this present world. And if you're here tonight and you say, well, I've tried it before. Amen, I just don't know if I can live it right now. I'm telling you, God has grace for a backslider to get back right with God, to reestablish you uh, to where you will live for God. Amen. From now until Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, grace is freely given. It's freely given to all. Amen. My son Titus. Amen. We was preaching revival for Brother Bill White in Richmond, Indiana, right before my son Titus's third birthday. And we had our trailer there as an evangelist at that time. And on a Saturday night, right before his third birthday, he woke up crying, which he, you know, they did that a lot. And my, and, uh, my wife went in there to see what was going on. And uh, he was looking up at the ceiling and crying. And my wife said, what's wrong, Titus? He said, I see Jesus up in the sky. And she said, oh my, is, is, is the Lord fixing to take my baby? Scared her, you know. She said, well, what's Jesus doing? He started bawling. He said, Jesus is talking to me. She said, well, honey, what is Jesus saying? And he just broke down crying. He said, Jesus said he wants to come in my heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. She said, well, son, ask him to come in your heart. And he got to praying in his bed. 
And Jesus come in my heart, and he got happy and went right to sleep. Well, we kind of started wondering if maybe it was all a dream. Maybe he wouldn't even remember it. But the next morning was Sunday morning, and we was, uh, he went to his little Sunday school class. And as he was in the Sunday school class, he, he got to talking to them other three-year-olds, that, uh, that age group. He said, last night, I asked Jesus to come in my heart, and he came in my heart. Glory to God. So it's more than just a dream, my friend. The grace of God appeared to him. When I became pastor at Fairland, 1996, there was a man that would come named J.D. Williams. He came more faithful than saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled people, so I really thought he was saved, just to be honest. <laughs> I was new there. I really didn't know him, but he was an alcoholic, and he had COPD. He couldn't hardly breathe a lot of times, had to go in the hospital. And so one night he went to the emergency room. His oxygen was way down and they wanted to admit him. And he said, they're having revival down there at Fairland. I believe I'll go get prayer. And so he showed up early for church and had us pray for him. And we got to praying for him. Amen. Right at the beginning of service. And J.D. Williams started jumping around. Amen. God healed his lungs. We, we started jumping around too, but see, still I thought he was a saved man. I didn't know he was an alcoholic. Hey, man, his wife came up to me a little while later, and she said, you know, J.D. got saved that night y'all pray for him. I said, is that right? She said, My, hey, she said he, he's an alcoholic for however many years, and, and she, said, she said, let me tell you something. Every time if I send him to the post office, to get the letters, amen, or to mail something, he'd come back drunk. She said, I had to watch him all the time. He had stuff hid all, all around the yard. If he went outside, he'd come in drunk. And I, I, she said, I couldn't trust him with nothing. If he went to the grocery store, he'd come back drunk. But she said, I can send him anywhere right now. God set him free. Amen. Glory to God. J.D. Williams was, I don't know, upper 60s, early 70s, probably at that time. But the grace of God appeared to him. And it don't matter if you're a three-year-old or a 70-year-old, the grace of God has the ability to change your life. Amen. Grace wants to come into your life. Grace wants to save your soul. Grace wants to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, yes. I was preaching for revival for Brother Luke, uh, Brother Ben Luke down in St. Augustine, Florida years ago. Some of y'all older folks probably know Brother Luke. Remember Brother Luke? Amen. I'm sorry, Brother Randy. We're just getting older, I guess. But I preached to the lost that one night. And a young man, I don't know, he may have been 18 to 20-something, came up and got saved. Boy, he got saved. He prayed. He got saved. It's a wonderful thing. There's an old man in the back. I can't remember if he's 98, about to turn 99, or if he's 99, almost a, I mean, 98's almost 100, but his birthday was just a few days away. He's either almost 99 or almost 100. 
And Brother Luke had went back to this young man and asked him to come and pray. And so he came up there and prayed. And, and as Brother Luke was going back, you know, that old man, that older man came up to Brother Luke and said, are you going to come and get me so I can pray? Amen. He said, sir, do you need to be saved? He said, I need to be saved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The grace of God in the same service appeared to an 18 to 20-something-year-old young man and appeared to almost a 100-year-old man. I tell you, God's got grace for everybody. I don't care if you're rich or poor. I don't care if you belong to a motorcycle gang or you're the most upstanding citizen in this county right now. I'm telling you, the grace of God can appear to you and bring you to the place where your life is changed and your eternity is changed and salvation has absolutely delivered you from your past sins. Glory to God. But there's a repentance of Israel here. You notice that? They would mourn. They would mourn over their sins. Like somebody would mourn, mourn over the loss of a child. Amen. Listen here. Amen. I know that we've got this precious family here that's mourning. Sister, sister, Wanda's passing on to glory, but we also have a great joy in the fact that she's rejoicing in heaven. But you know the tragedy of a child dying. Amen, brother, brother. Danny Scott's grandson, three years old, dying just the other day. What mourning would that be? What crying and tears would that be? He said, one day Israel's going to cry like that. When is it going to be? He says, when they look upon me whom they have pierced. Amen. They're gonna they're gonna look on me. Now, I wanna ask you, I wanna ask you, who killed Jesus? You say, well, the soldiers did. They had the hammers and the nails. They they got their fingerprints all over those, the hammer and the nails. Yes, I know they, they crucified him. You say, wait a second, no, it was Pilate. He was the government authority. He was the one that, that condemned him to go to the cross. He was the only one that could at that time. No, it was Pilate that did it. No, wait a second. It was the religious leaders that did this. Amen. It was the crowd that cried crucify him. But yet, for whatever reason, isn't it interesting that this group here that's at least 2,000 years away from the crucifixion are going to look upon Jesus whom they pierced and mourned of what they did to Jesus. Can I preach to you? You don't ever have to have touched the hammer and nails to have crucified him, to have pierced him, to wound him. You don't ever have to have been in the crowd that cried crucify him or to be Pilate or to be the Sanhedrin. Amen. But when somebody rejects Jesus, they wound him. They pierce him. 
Can I tell you, I have been guilty. I have been guilty myself. Great Lord. And every backslider had been most definitely guilty of wounding the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe even more so than Judas who did not know about the resurrection. Maybe even more so than Caiaphas and, and all of them that did not really know all that we know here tonight. Amen for listen. It's one thing to reject the authority of God. That's a sin. You'll go to hell for that. But it's another thing completely to reject the love of God. Amen. And people that reject Jesus this very day, they're guilty of both. But here it said all of a sudden, this group of people are going to recognize what they did to Jesus. They're going to recognize they pierced him. And they're going to mourn over it. And they're going to turn from their sins, amen, to the Lord Jesus. And if I could preach to you, that's exactly what people need to do tonight. They need to turn from their sins to the Lord Jesus that they have pierced. Back a number of years ago, we had a revival with Tim Brim when he was an evangelist. And... There was a man that had family in my church named Edwin Watkins. Brother Ed, Uncle Ed, a lot of them called him. Uncle Ed was a very bitter man. He hated some people. He hated some people. He really did. And and that night when Tim Brim was preaching, he got to telling a story about a man named Ed that came to church and conviction fell. And Brother Thornton Stanley was there and he was praying. And the pastor asked Brother Thornton if he had something to say before they dismissed. And Brother Thornton got up and said, all I can get when I'm praying is that Ed needs to pray. And Brother Tim got calling Ed Watkins' name, even though he didn't know, he didn't call his last name. But he kept on saying, Ed needs to pray. Ed needs to pray. Hey, Lord. And And that night, Edwin Watkins prayed. And that volcano of hatred that was in his heart was put out by the love of God. He turned from that hatred. Amen. And became a very loving man. In fact, before he died, I think his last words were, I love you. Amen. If you'd have seen Edwin Watkins, he, he, he wouldn't have never even dreamed that he was ever as bitter as he was. I was preaching a camp meeting somewhere in this United States, and I preached on God knows. And I told some stories about how God knew things. And there was a man came up and prayed and bawled and cried. And it was unbelievable how he prayed and cried and bawled. Amen. I preached another camp meeting somewhere near there. And he showed up with his wife. He opened up his Bible. He said, Brother Lord, you see these three bullets? He said, that night that you preached, he said, I had three people I was going to kill. 
had names written on them bullets. One of them was his wife. Amen. He said, Brother Lloyd, you preached right at me. You said God knows. And all of a sudden I realized God knew what I was going to do. He said, I repented. I got saved. God saved my wife just a little bit later. And they sat together like they's the happiest couple on earth. Glory to God. And I'll tell you what we need is a spirit of grace and a spirit of supplication to come on people where they'll turn from their sins. Amen. And believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there was a cleansing. There was a fountain open where that they could be cleansed from their sins. And I just want to preach to you and tell you that whatever this fountain is, I believe there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. But if you take the blood for granted, that's a terrible thing. I remember back probably maybe 36 or 37 years ago I preached revival at a place and the pastor told me this story. He said his young people was going astray. And one of the ladies in his church had a vision. And as she saw this vision, she saw like a river of the blood of Jesus Christ flowing. And she said, I saw my young people, our young people, playing in the blood. She said, every once, every once in a while, she said, I'd see something. And they were all filthy. They were all dirty. And they playing in the blood. He said, or she said, that, that every once in a while there'd be somebody that'd go in it reverently and come up clean, come up rejoicing, come up glad. But she said all of our young people was just playing like splashing each other in the blood of Jesus Christ. She said these young people kept on walking. The farther away from the cross it started at the cross, it seemed like that stream got narrower and narrower until it was just practically a creek and they still playing in the blood. Then it came to a place where there wasn't. It's just dry. And then as they walked along, there'd be little pools that would bubble up. And she said, I'd see somebody get in that, that pool of blood and, and be clean. And, but I'd see others that would play. And the more they played, the dirtier they got the more filthy they got, the farther away from Calvary they got. And she said right before there was a cliff and hell beneath, there was one last pool of blood there. And most all of them was just playing in the blood. And as they played, many of them eventually fell off into the very pits of hell. After she told that, hey amen, some of the young people I don't think took it very seriously. But then one of their group actually died in a car wreck just a little while after that. And the youth group prayed. But oh, it would have been a whole lot better if when God was trying to restore them and cleanse them from their sins and call them to that place of righteousness, 
If only they would have done it then. What could have been spared, my friend? And I'm here tonight to tell you, I believe God wants to restore backslider here tonight. I believe God wants to bring somebody, amen, from that filthy place to the cleansing place where the blood cleanses you from your sins. That's what God wants to do. Amen, but it's your choice. I can't force you. I try to pull for you as best as I can. And I'm just preaching to you right now that from my heart, I believe right here tonight, there is a fountain filled with blood. Amen, drawn from Emmanuel's veins just for you. And if you would cleanse, if you would plunge beneath that flow, you'd lose all your guilty sin. Is there any backsliders? Is there any restored backsliders here tonight? Is there any restored? Brother Dickey? Stand up, Brother Dickey. Look at this, brother. He'd been singing and playing and blessing. He'd been shouting. But he was a backslider. But God restored him. God restored him, I said. Amen. And, and, and if you never knew that he was a backslider, you'd think, you'd think he had the same testimony that Jonathan had. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm telling you, God's wanting to do a work here tonight. Friend, God could come down here in a fearful judgment way. He could come. I could have preached on hell again tonight. You know, I'm just saying if God led me, if God wanted to do it that way, but I feel like God's wanting to give somebody some hope. Because some people, I want to ask you something, Brother Dickey. Hey man, and I've got the utmost confidence in you. I want you to know this. But when you was backslid, did you ever wonder? Did you ever have a certain sense of hopelessness? Yes. I went and heard Jimmy John preach one night. And I said, God, if you'll let me feel what I want to feel, I'll go tonight. I love this man. He played the saxophone so beautifully. And I sat there and I reached and I felt absolutely nothing. And I went home that night and cried on my pillow and said, if you let me feel this one more time, I'm not going to play with this. I'm going to take you at your word. And I'm going to find the grace of God that I need. And I'm going to let you take away all the bitterness uh, that's in my heart. Uh, And I stand here tonight. I don't hate anybody. But I've been restored to victory and peace and joy. And I'm glad to be among God's people tonight. Don't wait. I went to a service at a homecoming at Massanova Church. Brother Jim Suits was preaching. 
beginning stages of Parkinson, maybe a little advanced. 20 minutes he preached at most, shaking, trying to say. His title was, you can come home if you want to. And I didn't really hear anything else he preached that day. But it seemed like for 20 minutes he stood up there and said, you can come home if you want to. When he gave the altar call that day, I felt a tear. And I said, Lord, I'm grateful that you didn't forget me. And I'm not going to wait any longer. God pleaded with somebody in three services in this church. uh, And you still wait. uh, He'll restore you. Have faith in him. Yeah. There has to be a certain level of faith and belief and hope. And I'm trying to tell you right now. Jesus paid too big a price for you to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. Jesus paid it all, my friend. I appreciate that, Brother Dickey. And if you are here tonight, I want you, I want you to believe right now. I can be saved. I can be restored. I can be cleansed. I can have victory. By the grace of God, I can overcome. Hallelujah. Whatever has held you back don't have to hold you back anymore. Oh, God. Amen. Could we all stand right now? Oh, God in heaven. Father, I love you. I love you right now. Oh, God. I pray that whoever I'm preaching to wouldn't wait another second, but that they come to this altar. Amen. For the glory of God. Let the Spirit of the Lord move. I'm praying for the Spirit of grace and supplication to be all over this place. For the loving, gentle hand of God to bring people to this cleansing. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God, would you move? Would you set somebody free? In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I hope you're praying right now. Amen. Sometimes God moves in a fearful way. And sometimes he moves in a hopeful way. And here tonight he's trying to give you hope. He's trying to bring you to that place where you believe. Come on to this altar. This church loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. Amen. Your, this message was sent just for you. I remember when Joe Holden got saved. Amen. The Spirit of God was moving. Amen. And brother, brother, brother Kevin Lloyd said, if you can feel the least bit of drawing, the least bit of conviction, uh, amen, step out and come. And Brother Joe, he'd been raised in church. Amen, he had felt conviction stronger than that, but he felt just a little bit. And he came up there and him and his wife got saved. Uh, Amen, I know they preach the gospel right here. uh, And they're pastoring a church in Texas right now. I'm telling you, God has grace. Uh, God has cleansing. Uh, God has the ability to restore you. Amen, if you feel the least bit of hope, uh, the least bit of faith, uh, the least bit of, I tell you, you need to come and pray. Amen, come on right now. Come on right now. In the name of Jesus, church, raise your hand and ask the Lord to move in his grace right now. 
to bring people to repentance and salvation, to bring a backslider back. Come on. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, our hearts are pulling for you. God bless. God bless. Come on. Come on. You know you need to be up here. You know you need to pray. You know you need to seek the Lord. Come on. Don't wait another second. Don't wait another moment. It cost God a whole lot to give you hope. Cost God a whole lot to bring you this message. Come on. God bless. Come on right now. Come on up here. Hallelujah. Church, would you raise your hand again and ask the Lord to move? Oh, God. Oh, God, have your way. Move by your spirit. Move by your power. Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus against every lie of the devil. Every bit of unbelief. Lord God, lose somebody where they can pray. In the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on. This is for you. It's for you. Would you come? Oh, yes, Lord. I feel it in my soul. You need to be up here. Yes, you do. ask everybody here do you believe Brother Dickie Webb is just a, an accident no. just an unusual no. unusual person or do you believe that the Lord has the same grace for others that's here tonight as he did for Brother Dickie I, I believe same grace is right here feel the Holy Ghost here just a second settling in here just a little bit more Holy God this church believes this church believes you need to believe this church believes the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to cleanse you from all your sins. We believe that the grace of God is able to do what you can't do. Come on. Would you trust the Lord here tonight? Would you believe? Come on.
Lord drawing you. Come on. He's speaking to you. Send a special message. His tongues and interpretation. I'm telling you, God has his eye on you here tonight. Come on. You've wounded him long enough. It's time to serve him. Come on. Come on. Come on. Church, come on. Raise your hand. Ask God to help them right now. Oh, pray. Cry. Listen, try to, try to carry the burden of the Lord here for just a moment. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us right now. Help us right now. I feel the same spirit falling in this place again tonight. Come on. You've waited too long right now. You need to be up here. Come on. There are people travailing in prayer right now. There are people praying in the Holy Ghost right now. Because they've got the burden of the Spirit of God for your life. Come on. Come on. I will say this to you that have family that's backslid and lost. God wants to restore your family. He wants to restore that prodigal son and prodigal daughter. He wants to save that lost husband or wife. And if you've got a burden for them, no doubt God's given you a burden. I'd like for you that's saved to come on up here and let's find a place to pray and let's ask God to move and deal with and convict those that are lost 
Amen. And if you're lost here and you didn't answer the altar call, but you feel like you need to come right now, come with the church. Come on right now. Ask somebody to pray with you. Come on. Yes, Let's come up around this altar and ask the Lord to just wash people. Yes, Lord. Here, come on.